Hey Westside family, my name is Eric Johnson and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys and enjoy. And it's really important in a family unit that we realize the power and the need of supporting each other. One of the struggles and challenges about being in a family, in a family setting, is supporting others while also pursuing your own pursuits. It's so easy in, in today's society to be so caught up in ourselves. And it's really gotten bad over the last deca- de- uh, excuse me, decade because of the social media. Everybody wants to take a picture of themselves, record a video of themselves, post it on a social media platform, and then every 10 minutes they go back to see how many likes they got. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you do it. And so one of the byproducts of that is, to, is being overly, and, and, and please realize I'm saying overly, is being overly consumed with ourself as opposed to balancing out our own personal pursuits while at the same time being in a position to support the various members of the family group that we are in. We all know this, it's, and, 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 and God even said it in the very beginning. When he looked at Adam, and Adam did not have a mate, and God said, it is not good for man to be, it is not good for a woman to be, come on, help me out now, don't make me work too hard this morning. It is not good for man to be alone. And that was, in all reality, see, that, that was a standard. That was a principle set for the rest of life, for the rest of creation. It is not good for people to be alone. So sometimes, and I think a lot of you can relate to this, we can be in a group but yet feel alone. We can be a part of a family but yet struggle alone. We can have conversations, we can have game nights, we can have movie nights, we can go to barbecues and so forth, but at the same time have this feeling that even though we're together, we're alone. The Bible says when, that one will put a thousand to flight, but two will 10,000 to flight. But that only comes from this first principle, through the power, the superpower of support. So in order to support one another, we have to be aware. Aware of one another's hearts. Aware of one another's desires. Aware of one another's struggles. Aware of one another's uh, uh, occurrences and experiences in life. And not only be aware, but be concerned or have care. It's one thing to know something about someone. It's another thing to care about what that person is experiencing and whatever they are going through. 
But if we don't have awareness and if we really don't care, then there is no possible way to support. And if we're not able to support one another, then there is a weakness that we have inside of our family unit. This past weekend, or I just say this past weekend because it's, it's just so fresh on our mind. This past weekend, prime example. A football team is not based off the ability of a quarterback alone. The defense is not based off the power or the strength of that linebacker alone. It's not just based off the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of a great coach alone. A football team can only be good when the members of that team recognizes their job and their role and do what they're supposed to do in that position, but at the same time have an understanding of what their teammates are to do and therefore support each other in the game. I want to challenge you this morning to not be overly, and again, I emphasize with capitalization, do not be overly consumed with your life to the demise of your family member because they don't have your support. Let me read you a biblical story because I'm not just going to give you a motivational speech this morning. Can I get a ride on? We have an area in scripture that gives a perfect example of Moses being supported when Israel was going into battle. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands... The Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. This next verse is the kicker. When Moses' hands grew tired, they, being Aaron and Hur, took up a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. What a perfect example of support. Without diving deep, because I said short and sweet, you see the support when Moses was strong, and you see the support when Moses was weak. That's That's true support. So when Moses had his rod and his hand up, he was strong, energized, doing good. Joshua and the army was winning the battle. Aaron and Hur was still beside him. But when he became weak, how many of you have ever had to put up a fan and you was holding up that fan 
Maybe you're like this, holding it up and you're trying to screw with this hand. Been there and done that. And all of a sudden you get the shakes. You're like, and then this shakes. And then all of a sudden you drop the fan. On on electrical job once, I had to hold like a multi-thousand dollar chandelier. And my boss man had to, to do all the screws. And he's like, Johnny, do you got it? Do you got it? I said, yeah, I got it. I mean, I had it at first, like, no problem. This ain't too heavy. I held it for several minutes. Next thing you know, he's like, Johnny, you got it? Yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Are you done? Are you almost done? We got it, but boy, it was a close one. I didn't want that few thousand dollars coming out of my paycheck. But my point is, Aaron and her was there when Moses was strong, and they were there when Moses was weak. Don't be a supporter only when your family is strong. Some people like to run away when when hell and high water comes. But be there for your family. Be there for your children. Children, be there for your siblings. Even when they get weak. Because that's true superpower support. Amen? Let's go to number two. Roll this second video. In this video we just saw... Wonder Woman was fighting for the good, and she was fighting against the evil. And she was doing whatever she could do with her might and her power to fight for whomever she was fighting for. Now, I wasn't planning on this, but this just kind of popped in my head. It's important to recognize what you can do and what you can do. It's important to recognize your talents as opposed to what you're not talented with. It's important to recognize your giftings as opposed to what, you're, what you are not gifted with. And when it comes to helping and fighting for someone, use what you've got as opposed to not help or fight for someone because you don't feel like you have what somebody else has in the game. Does that make sense? Three of you, let me say say it again. Don't worry about what you can't do. Just realize what you can do. And when the need arises for you to fight for or with someone, go into the fight with your skill set. Amen. I learned this firsthand involved in the the anti-human trafficking efforts that, that we have been involved in. Uh, there are so many people that plays different parts in that. And the groups that we worked with, they specialize in specific roles. And if you were a person, if you were undercover, that was your role. If you were intel, that was your role. If you was like a rescue support when a girl would be brought back to the compound, you were, that, that was your role. And, and I really saw this. And... When you are involved in that kind of effort, you're really fighting for innocence. You're fighting against the enemy. And something you really realize, at least what I realized, is the importance of knowing your power and applying it to the fight at hand. So that's just a little extra right there. So when you fight with someone, not with someone, but next to someone, there's a couple of things that, 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 that stands out to me. 
as a family, you're going to be fighting with one another, side by side, not against. But there's going to be times when maybe that family member isn't around, and you still might have to stand up and fight for them. So the point that I want to make this morning when it comes to your, 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 our superpower to fight is sometimes you'll be fighting next to them, and sometimes you'll be fighting for them when they're not even around. When you really love your family and you fight for your family, you fight even when they're not around, but yet the enemy is still trying to pounce on them. Am I making sense? Absolutely. And it's so imperative because if we don't do that, then there can be damage to them even though they may not be with you are there at that moment. Fighting for your family doesn't mean just fighting next to them or when trouble arises. It just means fighting for them any and every time the enemy rises up or someone rises up and tries to do harm to your family member. Right on? And this can be applied spiritually, it can be applied emotionally, and it can be applied physically. Now, you know, we don't condone violence here, and you know, I might joke around about superheroes and, 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 and whooping bad guys' tails, whatever, but for, you know, we, we, we don't condone violence here by any means. Blessed are the peacemakers, amen? But we all know there's times when trouble arises, and we might have to stand up and fight for a family member spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Amen? So let me read you a perfect example of, of, of fighting, and it's with David and Goliath. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord will be with you. Now, why was David really fighting? Was he fighting because he enjoyed to fight? No, we don't see that. He fought the lion and the bear because he was, to, he was overwatching the sheep of his father. And he put his own life at risk. He could have let the one sheep go. But no, 
He knew his role and his job was to protect that sheep at all costs. And he was willing to take the risk. He was really willing to get his hands dirty. He was willing to do whatever it took. And he exercised faith. He exercised works. And he exercised a deed that he needed to do in order to fight for whom he was watching. And then when it came to Goliath, it wasn't that he came and he was just filling his youthful oats. He was fighting for his family. And he stood up and he faced a giant. Sometimes our families face giants. Things that strike fear in their heart. Things that paralyze them. Things that they have no control over. Whether they should or whether they should not is not the question here. Sometimes our family may not have the faith we have. Sometimes our family may not have the experience that we have had that has developed the faith that we have in our heart. The apostles in the boat did not have the faith that everything was going to be all right. But Jesus stood up and fought against the storm for them because he had the faith that they didn't have. David had the faith that his family didn't have. And sometimes our families may not have the faith they need, but maybe you have the faith they need. And if you have the faith they need, God might just send you into the battlefield to fight, to overcome, and defeat the giant for them. Amen? It's a part of supporting when you fight a good fight, when you fight a giant that maybe our family member cannot overcome, it is still a part of supporting them. It's still because you love them. It's still because you care for them. And it's the right thing to do. Amen? Amen. Let's go to number three, protect. So Spider-Man was protecting them. Again, he used his special ability. What do you do when you fight? In all reality, it's in all three. What do you do when you support? What do you do when you fight? And what do you do when you protect? You do what you can do. You use what you have at your hands, in your hands, to use for the support, for the fight, and for the protection of your family. Now, I have a beautiful verse that I want to read, and this has to do with how God protects us. Psalms 18, verse 2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield, the horn or the strength of my salvation, my stronghold. God protects us supernaturally. What does that really mean? God looks out for us. When you, when, when you are protective over a family member, you look out for them. You try to see the things before they get to them. You warn them. When you see something coming, when you hear that something's going to come, 
You let them know. God lets us know. Have you ever just had a discerning moment like, okay, something isn't right here. And sure enough, something happened. And you realized God was just getting me ready. God was just getting me prepared. Another way of protecting our family is not harming them. In other words, not speaking against them. Not abandoning them in the midst of a battle and not betraying them by maybe turning them over or just letting them go to who or what they might be fighting. I am mesmerized and not in a good way. I have been mesmerized throughout my history in ministry to see how many times People has been harmed by another family member as opposed to supported, fought for, and protected. And oftentimes the harm comes by what comes out of another family member's mouth. And it's really a shame. The Bible said that there's life and death. In this tongue, the Bible says that by it comes blessings and curses. By it, Bible says if we control it, we can be perfect. But yet, for whatever reason, within the parameters of everything we consider family, it can be blood, it can be friends, it can be church, it can even be a, a, a sports team that has a family-like setting. Sometimes we don't protect them just simply because we do the things that causes them harm. And it's a shame. And I don't understand why is it so easy to speak the negative as opposed to speak the positive. To speak the failure as opposed to speak the victory. To speak the possibility of guilt as opposed to the possibility of innocence. Does it make us feel better? Does it create a better reputation? Does it change people's view of us? Does it get, a, does it get us out of the hot seat? Does it make us look wise? Does it make us look like we're in the new, in the know, excuse me? All these things are applicable. But what we need to realize and what I really want to challenge you with again this morning is to examine your actions when it comes to your family. Your actions being how you treat them. Your actions being how you speak to them. Your actions being what you say about them. Your actions being how you believe or disbelieve in them. And realize that you could be harming them as opposed to protecting them. Me and Lorana has made a choice to not speak certain things over our children. 
even though the action that we witness as parents might be obvious to a certain description. I would never call my uh, child wild. You know, uh, Koa was very energetic as a child. And we would never give him a certain label that we heard other people label their kids uh, when they were energetic like him. And that was the term we would use, was energetic. Now, some of his actions, some of his choices could have resulted in a different description. You know what I'm talking about, right, parents? But we made a choice that we are not going to speak a negative description over any of our children. Even though there could have been an obvious description of some sort. Why? Because we're going to fill our kids' hearts. We're going to fill their minds with positivity, with truth, with strength, with power. We're not going to give them a complex. We're not going to cause them to think that we don't believe in them, that we don't support them, or we're not with them. And if I ever had anybody else say that they was such and such, I would be the first to say no. They are. And I would give a positive description. Am I making sense? Now that's what just me and my, 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 my children. But that is applicable across the board. In our marriages... In our churches, in our families, protecting them means not choosing actions that could potentially harm them. I got you a little quiet. Now let me bring this home home to our church. We have some families, multiple families in our church right now that is going through some major battles. Some of you might know of various families that is battling in different ways. And the enemy is out to still kill and destroy I've always seen the enemy trying to destroy family but to be honest in, in, in 30 years of ministry I haven't actually witnessed the onslaught that I'm witnessing right now on a regular basis me and Lorana minister to a family unit male, female or a whole family about a battle and a struggle that they are going through as a church, what is our job when it comes to one another? Number one is to support one another. Number two is to fight for one another. 
And number three is to protect one another. Don't fall to the temptation or don't fall to the failure or the inadequacies of being a family member of doing harm to another church family member. The Bible says we reap what we sow. There will be a time when you find yourself in a battle, and if you're not careful, you might just reap what you have sowed. Am I making sense this morning? So now I'm, I've transitioned a bit. I've gone from a lighthearted family message to a pastor talk. We have some families that is battling. Instead of you talking about them, you need to be praying about them. And instead of having a question mark over your head about what was done or what was not done, you need to be interceding for them. Instead of trying to figure out what's fact and what's fiction, you just leave it into God's hands. You breathing all right? Because we are a Westside Family Fellowship. And I take our title to heart because I believe it is our identity. And one of my goals and one of my jobs is to make sure we are a healthy family. And I'm going to do whatever I got to do, whether it be from behind the pulpit or whether it be one-on-one or one-on-ten, I don't care. To do the best that we can do to maintain a healthy community of faith. Throughout COVID, we've been a safe house. Amen? We've had people come in. They've been relieved. They felt they have, they've experienced relief. They've experienced peace. They experienced, they touched from God. They've experienced encouragement from our leadership. And we became a haven. We become a, a fortress And we have to maintain that. We're in this church, in this extended family. We support one another. We fight for one another. And we protect one another. Even though we disagree. And even though if somebody is in the wrong... Amen? Just because, if, let's just say, if someone is in the wrong, that's never an excuse. It's never an excuse to not still be there for them. Because what did Jesus say when all the religious people was trying to condemn this, this woman that had apparent? Uh, Sinned. Jesus wrote something in the sand. We don't know what he wrote. People have tried to figure that out for years, but that's just a dead end trail. You ain't never going to know what he wrote. Then he drew a line. He stood up and he looked at them. You 
without sin, you throw the first stone. Right? We got to be here for one another. We got to support, we got to protect, and we got to fight. And we cannot be on the side that does harm. Because when we don't support, when we don't protect, and when we don't fight, unofficially, we are harming. I'm going to say that again, then I'm going to shut up. When we don't support, when we don't protect, when we don't fight for, we are unofficially and technically harming. Amen? Look at someone and say, I love you. Stand to your feet. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.